Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast and this is episode 179. I hope you're keeping well and safe and you've had a really cool Star Warsy weekend that you've, uh, you've managed to crack through. And or if you've not caught up yet, go back and listen to our previous eps. Uh, we've recorded and reviewed every episode of Andor up to now. And now we're going to be doing the penultimate one as we head into the finale next week. My name's Gary. I am one of your hosts and joining me as always, I'm going to bring him on in a second. And he's doing some housekeeping first because he's 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 eager and he's like yeah just come on he's like you know little dog like <laughs> no not this morning dude we normally record on a Friday and it's Saturday morning and he's a bit you know he's probably walked the dog he's excited so we keep him hanging just a bit more but welcome as I said Spark Rebellion so we're going to keep you up to date with Andor and then in the next couple of weeks uh, we're probably going to default back to doing some newsy stuff but uh, we've made a couple of changes around here and we're going to be doing some we're going to change up the content a wee bit in the coming weeks and months so just keep your your ears peeled if that's a saying for that stuff so until then if you like sor make sure you're following and subscribing in your fave podcast app of choice that way you won't miss a show and it lands every single saturday and um like our current patrons who we are now live streaming to which is awesome so welcome patrons if you want to get involved as well if you like and you want to support us you can do that over on our patreon which is sparkrebellion.com forward slash patreon we've simplified everything now there's just one tier jump on there grab yourself your sor sticker and whack that on your fridge or your laptop not telling you what to do you can stick it wherever you like sounds rude but it's not but just whack that anywhere and away you go all uh, right, let's bring him on. It's the uh, it's the dude that's wearing the posh headphones today. It's Mr. Mark Asquith. How you doing, dude? Is that it? He's wearing the posh headphones. What? That's terrible. You feel well, like you're having banter pressure because you're live streaming. Well, I'm. I always struggle to come up with some bants that I don't want to push the boat and sound too uh, insulting. But at the same time, it's gone. Ah, bullshit. Yeah. It's piss fear. Oh. That's Marcus what's going on. Explicit. Yeah, definitely. Eight always Max explicit. Right, right, right. Cool, cool. How always, you doing, Shagger? You're good. Shagger, classic. I'm all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steady, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, got to walk the dog later, actually. And I've just remembered I'm away next Friday as well, and Saturday. So we'll probably be recording Thursday or probably some in, some other day next week. <laughs> yeah, one of those, isn't it? Continuity camera. Yeah, <laughs> that you're not That's using. No bad. Here we go. Right, so. A few days ago, Mark and I had a meeting talking about other stuff. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, dude, yeah. this continuity camera's badass. Check yeah. this out and check this feature out. Don't I look so good? Good, yeah, isn't you it? do. And now the first live stream is like, I'm not happy with my camera. Well, like, you're not you using see, the thing that you told me about the other day. It's because I've not got the clip for it. I've got a stand for it, but it would be like at that weird angle. I want it right in front of me like always. So I do need to just get one of those. But I'm thinking about just taking the opportunity to get rid of my monitor and go back to just laptop and iPad sidecar, you know, just kind of simplify everything down a little bit. So I'm trying to do it all in one go. Um, but anyway, what's, uh, what have you been doing Star Warsy this week? Out and out? Star Warsy, just a few more, a few more reps of the old Rebels, dude. And mm. every time I watch that, the, when I first started watching it as well, I remember something always comes into my mind, which is when, I think it was an interview with Dave Filoni or somebody that was working on it before Rebels came out and they were showing some of the artwork and 
a few scenes from the first couple of episodes. And I remember thinking, that looks so much like the old concept artwork that Ralph McQuarrie did, you know, stuff like that. And I remember, um, I'm sure it was Filoni saying something like, yeah, all the artists have made uh, essentially brushes, texture brushes that are based off of the original Ralph McQuarrie canvas art and all that stuff. And every time I watch it, dude, some of those scenes where it's like really wide and it's just a panoramic, all the clouds and it, oh, it's like a love letter to artwork, that show, honestly, because the Clone Wars looks great, don't get me wrong, but I think Rebels has more of a hand-drawn feel, texture to it, rather than the sort of straight-up CG from the Clone Wars. So I'm loving watching Rebels again, dude. I'm absolutely loving watching that too, and it ties in really nicely with the whole timeline that we're doing with Andor at the minute. So that's the only other thing I've done Star Wars, you did. What about you? Uh, Rebels is good, isn't it? It's one yeah. of those where it's... Uh I think it's funny with Star Wars animation because there's very few episodes that are kiddie. You know, there's nothing really kiddified about it. It's, you know, it's just Star Wars animated. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the movies are so PG. Um, what have I done? I have started the Tales of the Jedi and the Sith book. It's like one of those anthology books that we get where they bring all the different authors in. And it's always a mixed bag. There's always some 9 out of 10s and some 5 out of 10s. Um... But I'm I'm probably a third of the way through that, which is always quite nice. I like I, I, I like reading them because you get a lot of stories, not only of characters that we know and love, and and you know little filler extra stories like there's an, an Anakin and Obi Wan, just one mission in the Clone Wars that you know requires nothing else. It's just that it's an isolated day in the life sort of thing. Um, but then you also get some random ones. You know you get like this Barry Soffy is in this one, and you get you know you, you get that kind of. Uh, character you know where you, you, you they start to pad it out a bit which which always leads me to think you know they're going to include him in something else like why why bother bringing back barry soffy you know when you've but then you've got on a circa show coming up so i mean always makes you wonder on it the timing of it and largely it's there's nothing to it but um yeah that's that's what i've been doing dude which has been quite nice so yeah nothing not watched anything apart from andor um yeah pretty pretty quiet to be fair pretty quiet but obviously andor's the big thing which is drawing to a close. So interesting week for Andor. It's the big, it's the big one at the moment, of course. I think also due a rewatch of the saga as well. Haven't done that in many moons, mm. months and months. So might do that. Do you include the sequels in the saga? Mm. Maybe not. Rise <sighs> of Skywalker. <laughs> it's depressing. Maybe the Force Awakens. I don't mind that. To be fair. Yeah. Same. I don't know. The Force Awakens has got like an isolated feel to it almost. You know? Of Do you know why? It's part of the, yeah. It feels like the beginning of a story. And the rest of them are just like, what story? Yeah. JJ, what did you do on that last one? Yeah. Don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, like it. Force is, what a tough film to have to do. Like I get why they did what they did with Force Awakens. Mm. You know, I, I get it. I get why they did it. Because what a challenge that would be. You know, it's like when you're playing golf. And you're just like, right, I'm one up, 18th hole, there's water over there. I'm just like, doesn't, I'm going to go exactly the opposite way and go as safe as possible. And that's, you know, I get it. And then build on it. But anyway, yeah. we're not here for that. But <sighs> Yeah, we're not, you know, I didn't want to Tiger Woods it. It's more of a <sighs> Paul Casey. Kind Paul of Casey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did not expect that today. Plays it safe. 
every Plays time. Plays it safe. <laughs> <laughs> Solid though in the Ryder Cup, so can't complain. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right, with, with that notion list, list of upcoming show ideas. Yeah, old Gary golfers. Shit about golf. Dot <laughs> com. There we go. Oh, anyway, word. yeah, it's been fairly quiet on the old Star Warsy front. Going to watch the saga though. Uh, sequels, mm, don't know. Mm. Force Awakens, defo, but don't know. Anyway, we'll talk about Andor. We're going to give you our review of episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix. And a quick recap, as we normally do. Uh, Andor's mum's dead. She did. Marva, she's passed away. We knew that was coming anyway. She looked like absolute shit in the last episode. You knew it was coming. I thought they was going to give her a bit of a death, though, didn't you? I know this is a summary, but did you not just think they were going to give her a death? Not just, oh, she died off screen. Uh, Star Wars, mate. I don't, you don't really see many. Mm. Uh, Apart from Andor shooting someone in the head, but yeah, you're right. You don't really <laughs> see much of the, um, the emotional someone's dying in your arms, last words kind of scene, do you? She's dead. She's not dead. And... Marva's dead on Ferrix. And so there's this whole thing. There's like this culture that um, uh, they do like a big ceremony through the, through the town and she gets cremated. And I don't know exactly, but I, from what I, from what I gathered, she gets cremated and then she gets turned into a, into a house brick and then gets slotted into a wall somewhere. I think that's the deal. I think so. Um, anyway, while that's going on, they're trying to get news to, and all that his mum's died. And Miro, within the IB, the ISB, is encouraging this. She's like, well, yeah, let's let them do this stuff. Let us let them communicate so that way it will draw them out. We're sort of banking on, especially Andor coming back for his mum's funeral, all that stuff. And uh, as a sort of a, a parallel to that, we also have Khan, who's trying really desperately to get his way back into... Uh, whether it's the the ISB or something else, but he really wants to track down Andor for himself. So he's like got his own investigation. He gets a little tip from our buddy from episode two, I believe. You know our chubby little Scott friend, who oh, went Trevor. absolutely hell for leather. Trevor, yeah, he went hell for leather. Little more, little more's on the line. <laughs> is this you seeing Andor knocking it? I can't hear you. What you know, is, he... <laughs> you, turn off your camera. I can't hear you. <laughs> That's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. 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 He's so, hilarious, uh, that lad. Yeah. Much like our broadband, uh, he's on a very shaky call with Andor, and, uh, sorry, with Khan, and he's like, look, dude, um, word on the street is this is happening. So Khan's like, oh, brilliant. So now he's going to put his plan into action to, to try and uh, secure Andor for himself and uh, impress everybody. Probably Miro. I think he wants to get in their knickers a little bit, but that's probably another series. And then we also have uh, what's going on with Luthen. So Luthen is uh, off to see Saw Guerrero, and he's like, look, you whoa, can't... Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, hang on. He's off I'm to see I'm not doing him. a voice. I'm not doing a voice. Saw Guerrero, you come here. Tell them that I'm in. Well, where's Luthen? Not anymore, are you? Where is he? Oh, yeah. <sighs> So you're telling me, huh? Anyway, Luthen basically goes to Saw Guerrero and says, look, I knew you were going to change your mind anyway. I knew you were going to help um, Krieger do this attack. But now I'm telling you what I no longer, I told what I told you before, I no longer believe. So like sit this one out because the ISB know it's coming. You're going to get your ass kicked. They have a little spat and uh, essentially ends with, um, with Saw Guerrero not doing it because he doesn't get attacked and captured 
because he's in Rogue One and probably in season two of Andor. And then Luthan has a badass escape from one of these uh, kind of... Um, it's not a Star Destroyer, but it's like an Imperial... Imperial. A Star yeah. Tinkerer, isn't it? Don't destroy yeah. stars, it just tinkers with them. Yeah. Tractor Beamy. Ends up uh, taking out a few TIE Fighters, escaping. Very badass. And uh, we also have a cameo by Andor, by Cassian, which is nice. And, <laughs> I um, thought that as well. <laughs> nice uh, to see you. <laughs> and he's just contemplating his mother's death at the end on the beach. Bit of foreshadowing to uh, to his last scenes in Rogue One, I think. And that was episode 11. So as usual, dude, off the bat, what are your thoughts overall? Um, Yeah, it was weird because it was... There was a lot of really good stuff. Um, and and it was steady. Like, there was a lot of good stuff. Like we said before, this is almost like a steady game of chess, moving all the pieces around and, you know, ending up where it ends up. Um, but then, like you said, it was nice to have a cameo from the, the lead character. So it was sort of like a weird... I don't know, it was weird. It was weird. It wasn't quite as much as when, obviously, Boba Fett was just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, no, it's not. It's the Mandalorian for three or two, or two or three episodes. You know, it, was, it was, wasn't that much. wasn't that far removed. But um, it's difficult to judge it. As, <laughs> what am I trying to say? It's difficult to judge it as an episode of Andor because he wasn't really in it. It was just more like good Star Wars. You know, it was... And it was, it was that... You know, I love I love this this notion of of the empire being the regime. You know, which we've not really seen apart from maybe in in some of the um, the prequels. Do you know what I mean? And then everyone else is just like it's a regime, don't like it, and that's the story. So it's 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 for that it's been really good that episode. It's been good to see. Um, I think this ideal world scenario of um, you know we talked a bit about like the empires, this complex day to day machine, and all we see are the big beats in the films. We see the big events, you know, the emperor doing this, that, and the other. We see Luke doing this, that, and the other, but that only happens like a handful of times in this twenty, thirty, forty, fifty year time span that, that we watch. Um, and it, it's, it's feeling like this last episode was was similar to that from a rebellion perspective, and that we sort of think a rebellion is just these good guys that are hiding out. You know, and the, the scrappy little underdogs that, that just do big things. You know, they've always got the next plan. Oh, the tenacious little bugalugs. You know, but actually, I think what this episode has done is it, it's shown that it's not that clear cut. You know, Mon Mothma, Luthan and Torgerera are effectively fighting for the same cause, but are three separate, entirely separate factions. And then Vel sort of sits somewhere in the middle of all three. You know, she's got one foot in one side, one foot in another. Um... And so I think that complexity and those layers that they're adding to the rebellion is where this episode sort of stands out. Um, and I don't, I, joking aside, I don't really mind that Andor wasn't in it that much because I don't think he had that much to do in this one. I think it was just, this is much more about getting him back on, on Ferrix and um, the, the big sort of escape or the big capture, you know, one of, one of the two. I would imagine probably the latter, given that we're getting a season two. Um, so, yeah. I can see why the whiners will whine about this. But if I'll say sort of what we've said before, if you were to remove this from being Star Wars and it was just a good, um, you know, just a good spy thriller, you'd mark that episode like nine out of 10 because of even just the Luthan escape, which we'll get to in more detail, I'm sure. 
makes it a nine out of 10 for me. Um, but I think a lot of people, oh, it's too slow. It's too slow. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to deduct a point just because it didn't feature and all that much, but I don't, I don't really mind that. So I'm, I'm going to go with an eight on this one, dude. I thought it was, it was really strategically well written and well done. I really, I thought it was very well put together. Um, and I'm sort of interested in what, uh, as, uh, as a side note as well, like the music's just changed the last four episodes. It's become more Terminator and it's become more Blade mm. Runner, a bit dissonant, mm. um, which is, is adding a lot of tension. So yeah, I'm going to, for, for all those little little reasons, I'm going to give that probably an eight, dude. Dissonance. Dissonance. The word of the day. You're welcome. Yeah, I, uh, Carol, I've... can I get a vowel, a vowel, a vowel, two <laughs> dissonance, a vowel, <laughs> And another dissonance, thank you. Yeah. I'll take a sweet, sweet vowel, yeah. Give me a vowel. I'll, I'll have a consonant, please, Carol. Three from the top. And uh, <laughs> whatever you choose for the rest of them, Carol. And she was always like bottom. Do you know what I mean? I give you one from the top, then I'll give you the shit ones. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Go and make 900 out of that. It's already a word. Yeah. That's a nice Tanetanba. Yeah. <laughs> It's always funny you could, when, they, when they were always coming out as dodgy words as well. Like it happened once a year, it was coming out and it was like, for, ah, nah, nah. It's like, you know, you can see the, the person that's like, I really could do with a vowel, but fuck it, Carol, give me a consonant. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes out as B and they're like, oh, damn it. You rolled the dice, eh? Gutted. <laughs> Dissonance. Dissonant. Good word. Okay. Similar thoughts to you, dude. I think this is a weird... I think they've really messed with the format pretty heavily in terms of doing a TV series, you know. Because typically, this feels like... Typically, you have a really big, massive cliffhanger at the penultimate episode of most TV shows because that gives you a real kind of... It leaves the viewer feeling like, I, I literally cannot wait until next week. This is absolutely amazing. Where it didn't feel like that. It was more of a calm before a potential storm that's coming so it didn't feel like the typical penultimate episode and also it has shades of a procedural tv show uh you know with the typical thing we used to get throughout the 2000s and 90s like these 25 episode runs so things like the x-files and star trek and all that it, it kind of feels like that in a way but at the same time it doesn't it has like this epic amazing cinematic star warsy feel in some little pockets of it but then at the same time it's got this like you said like spider armory kind of procedural so i'm i'm trying to wrap my head around which way i'm going to go with the score because like a bit like you i suppose it, on one hand if you just take the star wars badge off and it's a bit of a a thriller episode uh series sorry a bit of a i don't know a bit of a jack ryan-esque kind of thing then um then yeah, it's up there with like eights and nines. But as an episode of Andor, I'm not sure. I feel like it's a seven to me in my in my humble opinion. I feel like it's a seven. And that's only because, again, like you, I've taken a point off because Cassian's not in it very much. And that's not a, that's not a terrible thing. It's not a deal breaker. Mm. And then I'm going to take another point off because I feel like we've trodden a few paths already with a couple of scenes. So mm -hmm. when 
when Vel is having a conversation with Mon Mothma, it's like you kind of had that conversation before. This is very, very similar, and you haven't really progressed much. The only, the only bit you've progressed really is Mon Mothma saying or feeling like, as we expected, I've got no choice in this situation. She's going to have to do the arranged marriage thing, uh, which we knew was coming, and that's it really. The only cool stuff for me was the Luthan, the Luthan stuff. Uh, even the bit where Cassian escapes with uh, with old matey on um, uh, what's the planet that they land on? I've got it here. I've got it here somewhere. Not Narkina. Where does he go? Where does he go? Uh, Pro podcasting. Bear with. Uh, and then he escapes <laughs> from... Welcome to our sponsors. Brought to you by Bing, the number three search engine in Bing. Westminster and surrounding areas. <laughs> Have you finished Googling? Uh, no, I've got it here. I just couldn't ah, find gotcha. it. Uh, I still can't find it. But yeah, he escapes with a couple of uh, dudes that we see later on, actually, as uh, they join uh, the partisans. And I guess we might get that revealed in some way. Not sure. But anyway, even that scene where he's escaping, you know, when they try and leg it. <laughs> what a plan. Like the ship's right there. Those dudes are occupied. We're just going to run for it. Yeah, that was mental. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Yeah, I think, well, I think they think, they thought, sorry, that they were just going to leg it onto that ship, fire up the engines and just fly off. That's the, that's the long and short of it. Um, So probably sleep, you know, fatigued, hungry, brain's not thinking right, who knows. So even that scene where Cassian wasn't in it, I don't know, it wasn't amazing. So yeah, yeah. a good, a good watch, a good episode. No complaints as such. Just, um, yeah. I expected a little bit more for the in the run up to the finale. Don't know why. Do you think that's to do with the, the fact that it's trying to change the game a little bit for Star Wars TV though? Because you're right. It feels like I tell you what it feels like. It feels, um, yeah, certainly procedural, but it feels to me more like. Um, like a, a, a like a, a HBO Max or Sky Atlantic, you know. So ten episode, twelve episode run, massive budget for the cinematic side of things. Tony Gilroy, class act as a writer, and really coming out and and being a you know trying to be a nuanced drama than a Star Wars spectacle. You know, even though visually it's it's spectacular. Um, if, and I, I wonder if that's where some of the the because the, there's a lot of hate out there for Andor. Like uh, Star Wars fans are knobheads, like 100 percent knobheads. Um, and I'm saying that flippantly. Like we, we we all like most people are fine, but there's this subset in that we've talked about it before. There was someone today on Facebook, right? Someone had just put, oh, I love Andor. It's my favorite Star Wars thing. And someone else had just put, like this fucking middle aged guy who just put you wrong. Like you can't be wrong. You literally cannot. That it's impossible yeah. for that other person to be wrong. You cannot be because it's an opinion. You cannot be wrong. It's subjective, and like just the nastiness that then ensued. And I wonder if this is why, because it's it's not what people expect, and it makes you. I, I don't know. I mean, this is again speculation, but it makes you wonder if in a few years' time we'll look at this as a bit of a pivotal thing. You know, one one way or the other, it might not be good, it might not be bad. We just don't know. I don't know which way it would go, but it feels like it'll be a pivotal way of telling Star Wars stories. You know, because I think 
if you think, if you sort of step back a little bit and look at the full year of Star Wars, um, you've got this, and then you've got right on the nose stuff like Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and Ahsoka, you know? And it, it feels like they're spreading the bets a little bit. And they're just saying, well, we, we, we can't just simply be one type of content. So we, we've got to try something else. We've got to, we've got to diversify a little bit. Um, but because it's the IP of Star Wars, you get the shitty fans. And it, it, I wonder if that's why it feels weird a lot of the time. Because you're not used to seeing a show where it's not like, oh my God, did you see that they referenced this and they referenced that? And oh my word, was that this and was that that? And God, that's got to be this person and that person. And it's just not like that. Um, which mm. is like, it's it's not our Star Wars, but it's it's... It's nuanced. There's a lot of a lot of depth to it, which probably just takes a little bit of digesting. It's not that instant hit of, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker in a corridor, which we love. It's just different. You know, it's almost like uh if you if you you know, it's like Marvel doing different types of movies. You know, Winter Soldier is an espionage movie, Ant Man is a heist movie. You know, you've got the fantastical, mythical sort of movies and the Guardians type movies, and then you've got you know, you've got Black Widow. Um, so I don't know, man. don't know. No, I read you. So it's definitely an experiment, right, by Lucasfilm. This but then it's the one that they... Sorry to interrupt. It's, one, it's the one that they originally gave two seasons to. You know what I mean? It's like, they didn't just go yeah. six episodes and see how it goes. Well, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think with Obi-Wan and that whole six episode thing... Uh, I honestly think that's down to um, treading really carefully because of the characters. It's not like, I think with something like Andor, you can afford, obviously they can afford it anyway, you know, they're counting the money, fair play to them. But they can afford to really chuck some money at a couple of seasons for something like Andor because they're not using the volume, they're not using crazy crazy visual effects in every single episode it feels like boots on the ground uh, out on location just doing good old you know tv storytelling and i think with andor this is no disrespect to the character but i think you can play with that a bit more and take risks with it and not and not risk the wrath of like you were saying all the dickhead star wars fans because with obi-wan you took your foot out of line that's it it's, the backlash is immense. Whereas if somebody complains about an episode or two of Andor, you know, it's not really going to, you know, be as epic in terms of complaints and stuff. So yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah, they've committed to two seasons and it's a bit of a, that's a big experiment, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something. And also it's, it, it makes you wonder if they're, if they're thinking, do we, do we want to have, do we want to test this out with Andor in terms of the fan servicey stuff and take it another level from the Mandalorian? Because the Mandalorian was very cool in that it absolutely stood on its own legs and was great, but it was littered with a lot more Easter eggs and fan service in every episode, loads more. And also the references in terms of the narrative and conversations, it just picked up on so much more in terms of the overall galaxy, whereas Andor... Um, I think there was one episode where there was hardly any mention of anything. There was no mention of of the Empire. There was no mention of um, 
of, of Zorga era, nothing. Um, it was just quite sparse. So it's it's an interesting one. It will be interesting to see what they do in terms of a debrief after season one, but especially after season two, it's like, okay, how do we feel that went? Because I reckon that this is a bit of a trend that we'll see. I think it will lead on nicely with the Acolyte. I think the Acolyte will be similar where you have these obscure characters that you've never heard of before and they'll only be passing references and other bits and bobs leading up to um, like the bigger stuff with the Sith and all that subject and everything. So maybe some other series that we'll see in like 2024 onwards will also be more like, not obscure, obscure is not the right word, but more kind of um, an abstract view of making Star Wars rather than a holistic, let's just view everything as this one big nice saga galaxy thing. What do you reckon? I think yeah, so. I think that's that's back to that nuance, isn't it? It's that it's telling the stories of the other people, isn't it? That's the and and, and not every story is going to be a classic Star Wars story, you know, or a, or, or or will will be easily told in such a way that it can fit into the Star Wars. Um, I don't want to say formula, but the mold, you know, the, the clarity between good and bad, you know, I don't think it will fall into that because if you think about like Cyril Khan's a great example, like, is he bad? Is he a bad guy? Like he's got his job. He loves his job. He's got a, people that he believes are terrorists blowing stuff up at work and, you know, killing people. Like it just so happens that the people is reporting to, we know report to the big bad emperor who, you know, wants to turn Luke to the dark side. And so that's why I think that nuance is quite interesting. Yeah, totally. And it's, uh, I think that's quite a common, that's quite a common storytelling technique, mm. I suppose. The the best, I think the best example of that stuff, I'm going to go off t- a tangent a little bit here, because I know you watched it recently, but in Lord of the Rings, you have the, um, you have the ring wraiths. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're to me are like, all the imperial officers like the equivalent and all those types of characters because they don't know anymore what is good and what's bad they've gone through the wraithing process so now they're just carrying out what they think is like the the thing to do mm. but they they can't see like khan could very easily be like yeah sod it <laughs> i'm not in the mood for this anymore i'm just going to like get on with the job you know probably meet a girlfriend maybe have some cereal one morning with her and that'll be it. <laughs> Whereas he's like, nah, this has got to be done. So he's, he's kind of clouded to the fact that what he's doing is adding to the fall of what he, unbeknownst to him is the rebellion, but he doesn't get that. He's just gone through that process of, mm. I have to do it. And that's, that's the thing. So um, I don't know about his character either. Cause again, I thought we would have a bit more progression with him by now. But um, he's just kind of a sleeper character, if that makes sense. Because you know he's up to no good. You know he's got like a bit of a... It's 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 personal with him now. It's no longer about um, just doing the right thing for his job. He, he's he got it in for, for Cassian. So you can see that and he wants to mm. he wants to nail it. So, But yeah, I would have thought that his character would have come on a wee bit. Maybe, maybe this is just season two stuff. They're setting up some yeah. bigger, bigger fish, you know. Maybe. It's a good point, man. I feel like we're, we're, yeah, I suppose we are forgetting that there is season two, whereas every other Star Wars show, yeah, we know that Mandalorian's got a season two, but, you know, 
we, we, we didn't expect Boba Fett to have one. We didn't expect Obi-Wan to have one. So we're expecting this self-contained story. And, and I think we've, we've seen that with Marvel as well. Like all, all the, the decent Marvel shows, and there's not been that many decent Marvel shows, but the ones that have been decent, Hawkeye was decent, WandaVision, decent. They're all self-contained. The ones where you know you've got a season two, Loki, you know, uh, average, average. Yeah. And uh, But maybe, you know, it, it, one. Well, it's like Breaking Bad, I guess. And I think this is one of the parallels that I was talking to someone about this week with with Andor is that, you know, all the people, I, I don't know this, this is just speculation, but I would imagine that a lot of the people that are like, oh, Andor's too slow, are also like Breaking Bad's brilliant because they watch Breaking Bad the entire season and series and then look back at it as one body of work as opposed to fucking hell, season one was a hard watch, man. It was slow. It was slow. But as a body of work, same as Sopranos. There are, uh, Sopranos is one of my top three TV shows. But there's a lot that doesn't happen in a lot of episodes. <laughs> but what happens is that when when that thing does happen six seasons from now, it matters that much more because of the two minutes that have happened across each of the 50 episodes before it that, that didn't seem to matter. You know, all these interactions yeah, with characters yeah. that you just, why did that happen? We don't need that. If you were to in, If you were to review episode by episode, you would look at it differently to Sopranos, The Body of Work. And I think every great TV show, and I think, you know, time will only tell where Andor sits in this from a Star Wars perspective, but every great TV show is always judged on its, its, its run, on its body of work. You know, look at 24. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. As a body of work, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Season seven, season eight, shite, shocking. You know, it's, there's so <laughs> many of them that lost. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We all got a bit samey, didn't it? But, um, they're all the same. There's so much. So I just wonder whether we are just thinking of this as like all the other shows that we've seen where we expect season one to be the end or, you know, subconsciously we're thinking something should have finished here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that you're absolutely right. And I think there is a slight nuance to that as well in that when you announce the end early, then that provides a little bit more of a an appetite. To, to want to get to the next season or seasons as well. I think we had that. The best ex, um, example is Stranger Things. So we knew, I think back in season three, maybe two, that there was only ever going to be five seasons of Stranger Things. So when you were going through season four, you knew that some of the things that were happening, you were absolutely going to follow up in season five. And you knew that and you knew that that was coming. I think things like um, some of those episodes, uh, sorry, TV shows that you mentioned that just seem to go on forever that's when it, I think it tends to get a little bit lost in some of the, excuse the pun, in some of the seasons because it's like, uh, I'm at episode 15. I've got another 10 to go. I don't know what's happening, man. I don't even know yeah. if there's going to be a next season. So phew, I'm lost at the minute. Again, excuse the pun. I don't know. So yeah, maybe we should have a chat with with Disney about this, mate. Because, oh, we could crush it. Yeah. Uh, let's set up a meeting. Um, probably Kath going to be there Filoni who else Favreau yeah yeah. big Favers would defo be there who else Watiti Favers maybe uh, Watiti probably uh, <clears throat> Dallas <clears throat> Howard yeah yeah she's alright she's alright directing you you're alright you you're not bad you, you are 
Yeah, oh God, standard. And I think if we just go through it and just be like, look, these are our thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> I know you've seen Lost. You've seen Twenty Four. Don't want to talk about that too much, but you've heard the podcast as well. Yeah. You know, we're serious. Give us a second just, season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, give me a second season. You shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, let's talk oh. about a couple more scenes slash characters before we wrap up quickly. Mon Mothma. She's upset, man. I reckon they're real tears. She's, she's backed a into a corner, isn't she? Yeah. But, I mean... So, yeah, she is. She's certainly going through the arranged marriage. And I'll tell you what, I reckon the, the daughter is going to be fine with it. And which it, They clearly played up to it. Oh, yeah, she loves all the traditions. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the nose, that was, wasn't it? Yeah. They're trying it to be like, subtle about it, but no. Uh, it, you know, it's sort of... All right, we want to go do this storyline, but we need to make it short. We need to make sure that it doesn't look like she's been manipulated because she's young. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's do that. Do that scene with the traditions. Do you know what I mean? Which I totally get. Bit of storytelling. So I reckon that'll be the, you know, is that going to be the finisher between her and, and, and the husband, Pellin or Pelly or whatever his name is, Pelly. I reckon. Pelly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he's a Pellin anyway. But it's, it, it, and it, I suppose that adds a lot of context to their relationship as well. You know, was that an arranged thing? Because if so, you sort of get it because they clearly don't care about each other. So it's it's interesting. I think it was. I think it was an arranged thing with them too. Yeah. It sounded like it, didn't it? It was like inferred yeah. that it was. Yeah. Um, and I th- uh, that's a bit of a change up in what I expected as well because in mm-hmm. the first in the first few episodes, her daughter was, they kind of painted her to be this rebellious little, I don't give a shit about this stuff, all these mm-hmm. political gatherings and parties and i don't really like you either mum so you kind of she was set up to be this kind of layer-esque rebel you know rebellion uh, sort of thing going on but now they've switched it around and she's really into it so now my mother's going to be like yes yeah, so i've been thinking about this arranged marriage thing and she's gonna be like yeah sweet yeah fine Good. count me in good because i've been reading all about it yeah i'm talking about it and i want to do it so for once it made me happy <laughs> that's a bit of a switch up because I thought I thought that was going to be the thing that tore them all apart because she would kick off that she doesn't want to do it and then the dad's like you can't make her do it and then he takes her off mum Martha's left by herself but no bit of a change up but yeah Guinevere Riley you can tell that she's um, I reckon she's a mum in real life because they they were they were tears man yeah yeah just anyone watching the Patreon on the live stream, my camera just decided to go weird and zoom in on my head. There it is. There's the head. Um, yeah, I, maybe it's still the thing that that sort of blows things up a little bit because maybe it's just the other way. We, you know, the, the kid does want it, my Mothma doesn't want it, and so it's the same. It's the very same reasoning that they fall out. It's just, it's just inverted. Um, yeah. You know, maybe there's something in that, but it's um, it was interesting. So let's talk about the big one. Luthan's escape. He's fucking Andy in that in that fighter, isn't he? <laughs> he's, and then he he's can got handle himself. <sighs> can he? He can. God. Apparently, that uh, you know the the the, uh, the the ship that was tracking him. That was a mm. Cantwell class uh, from the concept art. Colin Cantwell's concept art, apparently, a Cantwell oh, yeah. class. Yeah, thingy, which is quite interesting. But the um, yeah, yeah, he I've was got handy. That in a book somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's in a concept art thing. Um, yeah, he was good, man. I really enjoyed that. I like how he's clearly a badass pilot, but it was some of the tech, some of the like, he was basically Knight Rider. You know, he was like, 
Right, we've got the tractor beam, which I loved because the tractor beam, for the first time, you could see it shimmering. I thought that was mint. And then yep. when he did like the equivalent of the old James Bond smoke screen or the little diversionary thing that, that just, you know, the little marbles that shot out and battered the array, the, the radar or whatever, I was like, that's mint. And then Darth mauled the shit out of these TIE fighters. I'm like, what? This is brilliant. Yeah, that was badass. And you knew that it was going to be badass as well because he was so calm. Like he didn't freak out. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, in the uh, in the Force Awakens, where Finn and Rey are are flying the Falcon to escape the Tie Fighters on um on Baku, Jakku, Jakku, Baku, Baku, and Baku. Watch it again, see. Need to watch it. He's rough. Yeah, He's off, and uh, uh, Black Panther, isn't it? Yeah, and they're um they're freaking out and they're panicking and they're going nuts, and uh, yeah, this is like the opposite end of the scale. He's just like. Tie fighters, huh? <laughs> That's cute. Oh, so cute. Sending a few ties after. You, you can tell that he's invested loads into that ship. On the outside, it looks like a normal, everyday. I don't know what's the equivalent. It'd be like, like a Voxel Vectra, on the outside, and then on the inside, he's just invested so much shit. Like you said, it's like Night Rider, and that was so cool, man. But the way he was just like, yeah. Let me just do a few little. Da, 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 da. All right, that'll take care of that. And then, ah, oh, you come in there. Da, da, da. It was very, very cool. Really yeah, it was. cool, man. Badass. Uh, do you think, like, in continuity, they, that's got to have been like a Kyber powered lightsaber oh, concept, yeah. and it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, because the, 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 the laser. <laughs> The, the laser saber. beams, the saber beams, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they had a finite uh, length to them. Oh, they did, yeah. Like if it had just been typical. a laser, it had just carried on. Yeah, that's a good yeah. shout. So it's like typical typical Kyber. We've seen this, yeah. <sighs> You're up the Kyber now. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> that's what I've been saying every time. <laughs> but every it was time. great though, man. It was very cool because I mentioned earlier that uh, in amongst all of the kind of rawness that we've had with Andor. You have these epic Star Wars-y moments, and it's normally the space battles, right? It's normally the... That's the thing. But that was one of those moments. It was like, yeah, that is... that. Even though the Star, even though the star Destroyer wasn't a Star Destroyer, you could still... Mm. You know, the inside, like all the Imperial design of everything in like the... Uh, on the bridge, I suppose you mm. could call it. It's still very much Empire. So, that you know, it did feel really cool and... Yeah, it was just a real badass thing. And I think you really need that. So when you have episodes like this where um, some would call it slow, where you have these kind of series of very quiet conversations happening, not much in a way of action. Because the most we got really was just a bit of a, a heated discussion between Saw and, and Luthan. You really need this kind of like just five minutes or a few minutes of just some Star Wars badassery. So mm. it was good, mate. Really yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. nice to see that, and that's. Um, I think that's what they do. They do do very well. Is they keep the, and they did this in Rogue One. You know, they keep it feeling like the original trilogy. You know, because it would be very easy to modernize everything and sort of say, well, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is, and sort of not address it. Mm. But I like that they don't. I like that they're just. This is the aesthetic of the galaxy and the empire. You know, it's just it, it, it's this is is this is it this is us. Um, so I I like that they do that and it all feels very regimented. 
You know, no matter where you come yeah. across these people in the galaxy, it's always the same. Always the same. Always um, so yeah, no, I like it, man. I liked it, and I, I enjoyed that. And it, it is, is that was very good Star Wars. That part of it was really good mm. Star Wars. Um, I enjoyed it, man. Um, what one sort of last thing was? Um, what's the lad's name that escaped with him? The name that's in Rogue One. I forget his name. Um, oh, Melish, uh, Melshi. Melshi, yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, him, sort of saying people need to know about what's going on with the Empire. I think he's quite interesting because um, it's again it's back to that little bit of nuance like his only goal is not to rebel he doesn't want to rebel at this point you know and you can see how you know in real life you start out with one goal and actually you end up as part of something a lot bigger because you you, you know you discover other things going on or you discover other other elements to the thing that you thought you were trying to get out into the wild, but actually discover more and more in, 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 in the course of doing that. So I thought it was quite interesting that this, because it could have just been, I am a rebel. You know, I'm just, I'm a rebel and I got sent down because I'm a rebel. But it feels like, again, it's very intelligently written in that it's just, we don't know what his info, we sort of don't care, but he's clearly not in there because he's a rebel. But he comes out and he's like, everyone, for the most part, the Empire just gets by the galaxy is sort of fine with it, like we said before, and that's why Luther wants to escalate. And and sort of bit by bit, you're seeing, okay, now this guy has seen this happening and he wants to tell people the injustice. And you, know, and you can see that happening 200, 300, 500 times, and then suddenly you've got not just the core of the rebellion, but that people are willing to fight for it because these things stack up. So I think that's just, again, it's not something that you'd really mention, but I just thought that was a really intelligent way of um, progressing that partnership was just let's split up we've got to tell people about this just this not like the empire's bad not we've got to take these people down not who's that laser sword enforcer with a helmet on just this we are, they are persecuting people in prisons that is it you know so I just thought that was really well done small tiny thing but really well put together yeah yeah and they could have very easily just gone down the road of make them to just join the rebellion <laughs> just straight up um a bit of a shortcut but no it was um it would be interesting to see how they come back together in season two because they definitely will because we see this guy within the same sort of circle don't we with an andor within is it yeah it's in rogue one so he's in rogue one melshi and um yeah so they've split up for now but it'd be interesting to see how they come back and it was a well-written little thing it was like you know this is more about exposure to what's going on rather than trying to fight what's going on which could have very they could have easily done that yes i like that dude all righty then so are you settling on your eight is it an eight did you say 8.5 yeah i'm gonna go with eight just because it's not oh. a it's not the obvious penultimate episode but i think it's i just think the layers to it were really quite nice uh, and in particular that division between what we assumed would be a united rebellion. The divisions between each of those three, Sorger era, Luthan and Mon Mothma, the way that, that those gaps are being played out, I thought was really interesting. It's not, you know, it, it was not without its faults, you know, a lack of Andor being the big one. But yeah, overall, I think it was one of the strongest ones of the season just because it layered things up a little bit. So yeah, I'm going to stick with the eight, dude. All right, sweet. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a seven, I think, because um, very similar thoughts to you. And one thing that I did really like, you mentioned it earlier, actually, was uh, how you see the fragmented 
nature of the early um, sort of chess pieces put into play with the rebellion at the minute. It's like Saw Guerrero's doing his. He was always um, more uh, politically. Um, what's the word? Uh, he just had very different views to the rest of the rebellion. You could see that um, throughout his character, not just in this, but in Rogue One and some of the books and whatnot. So he was he was never going to just cuddle up with the rest of the rebellion anyway. But it was it's very interesting to see um, uh, Mon Mothma's view on things, how that differs to Luthan's, and um, the woman that he's in cahoots with that he runs the the fake. Um, antique shop with she's got very different views as well you can tell she really wants to sort of kick his ass a little bit and make sure he's doing the thing and he's mm. so yeah it's it, it's very cool to see and we haven't no we haven't seen bail yet or any of that stuff so it's really interesting to see how this is all coming together so yeah but so a seven for me and i think we'll wrap it there so thoughts for episode 179 Thank you, thank you for listening to another week of Spark of Rebellion. It's uh, it's been very cool to to chat through the penultimate one because um, for some reason I thought you were going to go a lower score. I don't know why. I thought you were going to go lower, but turns out he liked it. Turns out he liked it. He liked it, didn't he? Liked it, Sam. He thought it was all right. So yes, Lynn, second season and all yes let's do that uh, thank you very much for coming back and to our patrons it's been very cool to uh, for you to see us actually record a podcast that's very cool and um, as mentioned earlier if you like Spark of Rebellion and you want to join those guys and watch us and not just hear us over on Patreon you can do that uh, on our simplified system now just jump on there it's just one dollar uh, sorry one plan three dollars get yourself an SOR sticker and uh, and check out the podcast in uh, I guess we're dipping our toe into the whole video podcasting thing which we've spoken about, not about this show, but in your day job, lots and lots. So yeah, we'll see how this goes. It's, uh, it's very cool so far. So sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon. And also um, jump on the socials as well. We chat Star Wars throughout the week on Twitter and Instagram, sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter and forward slash Instagram. So make sure you do that too. It's been good, dude. Always very good. Yeah, always fun. Yeah, thanks to the patrons. Um, thanks for being patient with us as well. We uh, We've been slack with it, um, mainly because of the day job, but uh, no excuse. So we, we're back up to date with everything. Like Gas says, much more simplified tiers uh, over there, just one one tier and live streaming straight through every time we record um, as a pair, which is a lot of fun. So thank you to everyone uh, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to Kevin, uh, who has rejoined. Um, Kev. Uh, rejoined actually yeah yeah over the last couple of days so thanks Kev um, we will see you on there we've got one of our patrons joining us in December for a chat about his experience in Star Wars and some of the more uh, recent content that he's consumed and that is Mr. Dave Jenkins so looking forward to that as Dave. well but Dave oh alright Dave not bad geezer you yeah not bad Dave so looking forward to that it's going to be a good laugh and yeah we'll be back streaming just for our patrons next week and of course, we'll be back next Saturday with the show itself in all the major podcast apps. And uh, yeah, enjoy that, guys. Enjoy it, geese. Nice one. Nice one, geese. Radio, let's wrap it there. We'll see you next week for episode 180. We're rattling through them now. We'll be at 200 soon. So have a good Star Wars week. Take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>